And no matter what situation you find yourself in, he was aware of it before you walked in. Amen. He, he saw when you cried at night. He understands what you're going through. Amen. And uh, you might feel like the people here, how could they know? How could they sense what's going on in my life? But God, through His Spirit, has touched you today. Amen. Because He knows exactly where you are and He knows the questions that you have. Amen. And what's going on in your mind. Amen. Before you're seated, I want to just quickly read two verses of Scripture. From the New American Standard Bible, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I want to focus... Amen. Not so much we, we understand the baptizing in the name means in the name of Jesus. Acts 4.12, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Anytime people were baptized in the Bible, especially throughout the book of Acts, they're baptized in the name of Jesus. That's why the name in this verse is singular. In almost every uh, translation that I have ever read, it, it's pretty clear. But uh, just for those of you that don't know, the name is Jesus. Amen? And so we're not going to focus on that today. We're going to focus on uh, the other parts that surround that. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And then verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that we feel in this place today and for what you have already begun to do. <clears throat> God, I pray that you would loose a mighty anointing upon your word today, that people would receive it and it would do the work that it has been set out to do in this place. In Jesus' name. And everybody shout, Amen. 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 God bless you. you. may be seated. Amen. For those of you that don't know, I'm A.J. Dunn, but I'm the lead pastor here at the Crossroads, and I welcome you. I'm so glad that you are here today, and uh, to everyone that's watching us online, thank you for joining us and uh, being a part of our service online. Uh, we know a lot of times people check us out online before they come. I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands, but a lot of times most of you have already checked us out before you came to the service. You knew what to expect because you could see us online, and uh, it's exciting to know that we have that technology and we're able to uh, share over the, uh, the wonderful World Wide Web, but I would just say we look forward to seeing you very soon. If, if you can make it here in person, get here in person, because you can be touched, you can be blessed, amen, online, but there's nothing like being in uh, the service with us and feeling the presence of God, and we want you to join us and feel that as well. So many people uh, in our world today think that church is a place to go. In fact, you probably asked somebody this week, are you going to church? Or maybe somebody asked you, will you be going to church this Sunday? How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's kind of our thinking, and especially in North America, we've got this uh, stigma about church, that church is just a place we go, or maybe it's a membership that we belong to, but Jesus had a much different idea and design in mind for the church. And today we are going to start a brand new series called DNA, the core of the local church. Because Jesus' intention for the local church is far different than what we see on a day-to-day -day basis in America. So I want to get us back to what the Bible says the church is. I'd like us to refocus and maybe reset our thinking from all we've ever thought or been taught about what the church is to what Jesus intended the church to be. Would that be all right? Amen. He intended for us to be a people and not a place. That's, that's it. It's, it's real simple today. The church is a people, not a place. He gave the church a DNA that is supposed to be evident. And we read this DNA out of Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples. So to reflect Jesus and to make disciples is actually written into our DNA when we're born again. It's a natural thing. It, it's something that is supposed to be natural once we're born again to just make disciples. So some of you might be thinking right now, so then why aren't we making disciples? 
Well, because we buy into that church is a place. We think if I'm not at the church, pastor's going to get a hold of me and he's going to be like, where you been? You know, I've been missing you. That's because part of the people, part of the body was missing. It's not because your rear end wasn't in a seat. It's because too many times away and there's a, a hole, there's a part of the body that is missing. And so uh, I think sometimes when we think about making disciples and we think about what that means, I would like to just kind of maybe refocus us on growth today. How many of you have children? All right. How many of you watched your children grow? Okay. Now, there are very rare cases where children do not grow or they do not grow like they're supposed to grow, but it's kind of expected, you know, mom and dad, if they're not tall, they may not grow as quick or as fast or as tall as the people in their class, but we still expect them to grow. Uh, something is happening, a phenomenon is happening. I've, I've watched it happen in my nephews, and I'm now watching it happen in my house. I have what used to be a little boy becoming a young man. And his shoe sizes change every week. Every two weeks, we have to buy him new clothes. And every month, we have to make sure he's got what he needs for the next month because he's, we're, we're, we got to anticipate. We're almost like I, I'm telling my wife, let's buy a little bigger than what he actually needs. He'll grow into it. You know, then that saves us from having to you know, buy something every month, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's just kind of natural. And, and he's excited about it. He likes it, you know, and pretty soon... He's probably going to catch up to his tallest sister. He's already caught up to his not-as-tall sister. He's caught up to his mother, and he's probably soon going to catch up to his tallest sister. And, and eventually, I really believe he's probably going to catch up to me. And that's expected. It'd be weird if he didn't. It'd be weird if he was still running around here, and he's 12 years old, and he comes up to my knees. That would be weird, right? You would think, what is, what's wrong with pastor's kid, you know? Pastor, maybe you need to take that kid to the doctor and see what, what you're doing wrong, you know? Why? Because that would be abnormal if Ashton was the size of Colton at 12 years old. It would just be weird if Ashton was the size of Levi or Isaac at the, at, at the age of 12. We would be like, okay, something's not right. But why is it so acceptable for us to look at the church, and I don't mean the building, but the church, the people, and see a lack of spiritual growth and be like, ah, it's okay. Do you know why? Because to us, the church is a place. It's a place we go. I mean, we go if we want to go. We, we go if it's convenient for us to go. We go if it works out for us. Don't get mad at me yet. I'm, I'm just getting started. Some of you are like, whoo. The DNA, your DNA is what decides a lot of things. It defines physically who you are. It not only defines who you are, but it also tells you where you are from, your lineage. My DNA decided my eye color. Even though my mother thinks it's blue, it's actually green. Correct? Ask my mom and my wife, and they have different opinions. My wife says green, my mother says blue. There's a story behind that. Everybody else in my family has blue eyes. My wife, on her list of things she wanted in her husband, she put green eyes. That was the day my eyes changed colors. <laughs> According to my mother. Anywho... My DNA decides what my eye color will be, what my gender will be. I know that's kind of taboo in our world today, but that's in your DNA. It's only two ways it can go, folks. I'm going to say that while I still can. There's only two ways it can go. Don't be confused about it. You know, well, well Pastor, what about those very, very rare occasions? Yes, those very, very rare occasions, they're still more, a more dominant gene. Do you, well, I, I don't want to wade off into stuff I'm not supposed to be in today because I really want to stay focused. But do you know that, that scientists and, and some of these uh, medical doctors are now calling this 
gender confusion. They're calling it mental illness. Think about it. Because, I mean, the facts are the facts. <laughs> Your body is what it is. You can, you can say, I, you know, I don't want it to be that, but it, it just is. I saw a funny little uh, meme the other day, and it said that uh, this, this motorcyclist was identifying, uh, identifying as a cyclist, and he won first place in every, every uh, event that he entered. I'm thinking, well, you got, you got guys that are identifying now as females, and they're joining, you know, female sports teams, and they're wondering why they're so good, because they're dudes. Right? You know, some dudes just naturally run faster. And, and, and so it, it's kind of, I mean, it just is what it is. There's not really, uh, it's not really a confusion that's been placed there by God. It's been confusion that's come after we have kind of entertained the thought that we can decide what we want to be. And so people's DNA decides what eye color they will have, what gender they will have, what skin color they will have. And some of you, your DNA really blessed you. And others of us, we have to put on a lot of sunblock, a lot, because when we go out there, it's like, your DNA decides your physical capabilities. I tried to play basketball last Sunday night. I tried. I, I said I tried. I used to be able to play, but I tried. And then, you know, Damon, some of these guys come out there. And I'm telling you, like, they're jumping out of the gym. I'm reaching up, trying to feel the ball, and it almost gets to me, and then it just gets swiped away from me. I'm running through the lane. I'm tripping over my own shoes and falling on my face. I'm standing there trying to play defense, and I get, I get elbowed right in the mouth. You saw it, Miguel. You were there. It was bad, wasn't it? It was, it was really rough. I tried. But you know what? There were some guys that I was playing, their physical capabilities, especially because I was the oldest one there. I'm just going to say that. You were the oldest one? Oh, that's right. I'm sorry, Elder. Please forgive me. By just a couple of years. And guess what? He gets on the team with the guys that have all the physical capabilities. That's how you do it, you know. But I'm, I'm trying, and it just wasn't working because there were guys there with physical capabilities much better than mine in basketball. And then my ethnicity is also decided. Now, I know some of you have, have thought that, there, that I am only Caucasian on the outside. Some of you even, have even told me that. But it, I'm really, that is, my ethnicity was decided by my DNA. I, I did not have the ability to choose that. So my DNA produced what I am. Right? I know. Some of you think DNA, you know, you hear me say DNA, you're like, oh, this is going to be interesting. Because all you can think about when I say DNA is that's what you use to catch the killer on CSI. You're, you know, you're like, that's, that's how they do it. DNA is the center of the physical aspect of every human being. Uh, and I want to say that, you know, it, it, is, it is a human being or being human. It, it's important for us to understand that being is important. In our fast-paced world, we're constantly doing, we're, we're driven, we're, you know, some people call it being a go monster. We, we are on the go all the time, but it's important to remember we are human beings before we are ever doing anything. Who we are, our being, precedes what we do. Who you are and what you do, they're two different things. But when God fills us with His Spirit and we're born again, then our spiritual DNA it must be taken into consideration because it tells us who we are. When you were born again, just like when you were born, how many of you uh, remember when you were born? You probably don't. You know, I've had a few people say, I remember when I was born. I'm like, really? Wow, what an incredible memory. I don't remember back that far. And, you know, the thing is, when, when we are born again, Sometimes we, we forget that there is more to our life than just what we do. There's more to our spirituality 
than just what we do. Some of you serve at church and you, you do things and you're busy for the kingdom of God. And God bless you. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing. And I, I don't want you to feel in any way, shape, or form like I'm sliding you or like I am uh, coming down on you because I'm not. But I, I just want you to understand being is as important as doing. I can do a lot of things, right? I was, I was running up the court. I was, you know, bouncing the basketball. I kind of, at times, at times, I kind of looked like a basketball player. But I, I, I had to keep coming back to the fact, you know, I'm not really that athletic anymore. I, I'm not really in shape anymore. There's, there's some things that, that on the outside, they're, they're not what they used to be. And what I realized more important than anything is that I can go out and I can try to do things, but if I'm not being who I'm supposed to be, then none of what I do really matters. We're born again. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that in Christ we have become a new creation. The New Testament uses this biological language to describe our new life in Christ. And so I would venture to say that we need to consider what is our spiritual DNA. Who is it that we are born again to be? Jesus is the center of our DNA strand. Everything comes from Him. The Scripture says in Him we live and we move and we have our being. One of the final things Jesus said to the disciples is called the Great Commission. We're talking about our mission, what we do, while we're talking about being the church, who we are, that God intended. Our mission or doing, what we are doing, is a part of our identity, but our DNA is intertwined with our mission, so we must first be and then we do. Some of you, you're getting lost. I can tell right now. You're like, DNA, CSI, what's he talking about? We are a people. We're not a place. If this church ever becomes a business, we're in trouble. If this body of believers decides we've got it all nice and industrialized, we know exactly how to uh, clap, we know exactly how to show up here and do that and, and greet that person, and, and we've got it all figured out, and we don't remember that God intended us to be a people, and He gave us some specific instructions. He said, go into all the world. That's why we go, because we are commissioned to go. Some people go, and they go to E-Town. Some people go, and they go to Louisville. And other people go, and, and they go to another state, you know. And, and then there's other people that they go, and they go around the world to Guatemala, to Haiti, to Costa Rica. They, they go to Africa. They go to different places. Why? Because Jesus said go. We take it seriously around here. We don't think it was just a suggestion. We realize it was His command to go into all the world. We are commissioned to go. The Great Commission, we are commissioned to go. A better way of saying it would probably be as you are going. As you are going. As you are living everyday life. As you are going to work, to school, to the grocery store, to family time, to ball games. We need to constantly be reflecting Jesus. Just like my genetic code reflects the aspects of my family. You can tell. You know who my mother is. We got first-time guests here. We probably a few times, uh, first time, you don't even know, you don't know who my mom is. But if you see us in the same room, you'll be like, oh, that's his mother. Growing up as a teenager, they always said, you look just like your mother. Awesome. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and, and what I am is decided by that DNA, and so... Just like when people look at me and they see, I can see your mother in you. Anybody ever said that to you? I see your mother in you. Or maybe they look at you and say, oh, I see your father in you. Oh, my goodness. You're a spitting image, right? That's what they say to us. Just like our genetic code reflects 
aspects of my family lineage, my spiritual DNA needs to reflect who I belong to, who I am. When people see me, there ought not to be a question, do you belong to Jesus? Are you his? I'm kind of confused. I don't know. I can't quite tell. So when people see me in all aspects of my life, right, in all aspects of my life, when I'm playing ball and I'm getting beat to a, you know, a pulp, right, and it's, it's horrible, do, does my action, does my being, does it reflect Jesus? When, when the person at the store cuts in front of me and cusses at me, do, do I then reflect Jesus? When I, when I feel like having road rage, am I then, am I reflecting Jesus? When my kids are on my last nerve, am I then... Right? You know what I'm talking about. We, we've got to, we got to think about this. We, we need to realize that I am geared to reflect Jesus. I, I am supposed to be, it's supposed to be evident whose body I'm a part of, who I belong to. And uh, so we understand as we are going, go into all the world. And as you go, people should notice. And he says, make disciples. Now, this is something that a lot of times we, we get confused with, make converts. We think, hey, it's all about getting people into the, the, the water and getting them baptized, and we want to see them filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes, we do. But that's not what Jesus said. He didn't say, go make converts. He said, make disciples, and then he said, baptize. Did you notice making disciples comes before even baptism? Making disciples is such an important part of who we are. And as we're reflecting and we're living this life for Jesus, we should be inviting others to join this new family. We disciple other people. We are to help others become followers of Jesus and to obey kingdom principles and then to also make disciples. That's who we are. If we're not making disciples, we need to check our DNA. Jesus said, except you abide in me, you can't produce fruit. And so if our DNA, if we have somehow disconnected and we've become some weird cult, can I say that? Oh, did I say that out loud? I thought it in my mind and I thought I would just keep it to myself, but it just came out. We almost, sometimes we can become like a weird cult if we're not actually doing what Jesus says in the Word. Because we're supposed to be able to line up with Scripture. And if we can't line up with Scripture, then the problem is our DNA's messed up. Well, it's tight, but it's right. I, I love each and every one of you, and my goal here is not to make you mad. Let me just state that. Can I just be transparent and say I'm not trying to make you mad? My goal is to provoke you to good works. My, my goal is to help you understand we have a DNA that's given to us when we're born again. Amen. And I can't change it. I can't change it. Just, you know, let me tell you how crazy me trying to change it and tell you it would be okay to do whatever you want. That would be like me saying, it's okay, I'm going to identify as a woman today. Y'all would be like, oh, I'm out of here. Right? Well, then why are we okay when churches are okay getting away from the DNA of who we're supposed to be? We've got to get back to this book. We've got to make disciples like Jesus said. We've got to disciple people and show other people Jesus. So he says, go. So as we are going, we're making disciples. We're reflecting. We're, we're, we're causing other people to want to come into this, this, this family, this body. And we're showing them kingdom principles. And, and, and Jesus said, teaching them. Teaching them. But I don't know if I can teach. I don't, I don't know everything there is to know about the Bible. You know what? That makes two of us. I'm glad that you finally admitted it. Because... I've been there all along. I don't know everything there is to know about the Bible. And, and I know some of you expect me to be the expert. So let me just come down here and let you know I'm going to disappoint you if you think I'm an expert. This is what I have found that I can do, though. It, it's really simple, and I'm going to share a secret with you, and it's the same secret. You can use this. You can tell everybody that I told you. Here's the secret. Whenever I don't know something... 
I don't go to Google. Whenever I don't know something, I don't just ask Siri. Hey, Siri. I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. <laughs> See? We've made it so easy. It's so easy for us now to... Yeah. Go to sleep, Siri. That's so scary. I'm going to keep you out of my room tonight, Siri. All right, so... <laughs> Somebody's always listening. Uh, but we, so many times, go to all the wrong places to find spiritual answers to our questions. You know where I go when I don't understand something? Jesus said teaching them. So that means, how am I supposed to teach them what Jesus taught the disciples? Guess where I go? I go to the Bible. If you have a question for me, most of the time what you're going to find is I'm going to send you a scripture. How many, times, how many times have I sent somebody a scripture in here? Raise your hand if I've ever sent you a scripture when you ask me a question. Look at that. There are so many times that people say, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't understand this. I don't get this. I don't. Look, I'm not going to tell you what I think. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. Because really what I think doesn't even matter. The only thing that matters is what does the Bible say? And, and the Scripture says we're supposed to make disciples, and in making disciples we teach them to observe everything that Jesus taught about. Did you know that Jesus taught about everything that our culture obsesses over? I mean, you name it, he taught about it. You're like, well, I don't know. He didn't teach about everything. He did. He taught about money. He taught about relationships. He taught about marriage relationships and the word my wife doesn't like me to say in the pulpit, intimacy. He, he talked about all those things. It's, it's really important that we understand Jesus didn't leave stuff out. He taught about everything. He, he talked and he taught his disciples and they had instruction from him on how things were to go. And Jesus says, I, I want you to teach that to other people. The teachings of Jesus represent the issues of all humanity. And we reflect these teachings in our lives. How are people going to know that you're any different than them if your life is no different than their life? I want you to think about this for a moment. If you look, talk, act, go the same places, everything you wear, everything that you do, it is exactly like somebody who is not claiming to be a born-again Christian. If you're exactly the same, and I've had people say, oh, pastor, we, we can't be so different, you know, we've got, to, we've got to be like them if we want to win them, that's hogwash. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches come out from among them and be separate, touch not the unclean thing. The Bible calls for separation, and it's, there's nothing wrong with being different, with being set apart, as long as it's biblical in principle. Because when it's biblical in principle, then those principles work. And when people see those principles at work in your life, they want to know, how does that work? How is it that you have joy? How is it that you uh, are raising your kids and, and all the stuff that's going on? And how are you doing this? And how are you doing People have questions they want to know. And Jesus says, teach them. Teach them to observe all these biblical principles, all these commands that I've given. And we reflect these teachings with our lives. How many of you looked in the mirror before you left your house today? Or, or, or maybe you looked in the mirror in the car. Or, or you looked in a mirror before you got here today. Would you... Good. I, I know. Those of you without your hand raised, we know. We understand. We, we can tell. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was, that was uncalled for. So uncalled for. I have to look. Sometimes I have to throw humor in because you guys will, like, eat me if I don't. Go, really? Your reflection is what the world sees. That's why you take such great care to make sure that your hairs are in place. Or hair. Or eyebrows. You, <laughs> right? 
You just got to, you, you, you want to you make sure that as you go out, you are giving a pretty accurate representation of yourself or who you feel like you are. You know? That's why I don't go to Walmart in my pajamas. Some people do. They're okay with that. I really, I really liked the world when we didn't go to Walmart in our pajamas, but, you know, anyways, our reflection, when we look at our reflection, we see what everybody else sees about us. The same is true in our spiritual reflection, our reflection of Christ. When we look into the Word, we see if we are actually reflecting Jesus. When we look at these biblical principles, the kingdom principles that Jesus set up, we look and we see, oh, I'm, I'm not treating my neighbor like I'm supposed to, or maybe I'm not treating that enemy like I'm supposed to. Maybe there's something that I am doing that, that Jesus said it's, it's not right and I, I shouldn't be doing that. Well, we find out. Or maybe we look in and we find out how we can have joy and we can have peace in our life and the principles of love that, that, that some of these things that we, we just take for granted because we're born again. And we, you know, this is just who we are. And people are like, how are you so happy? Because I have Jesus. Because <laughs> I have hope. I, I, I wake up every morning and I go to bed every night and the, the sky's not falling because Jesus is in my life. That's who I am. And so, do you reflect the teachings of Jesus in your life? How can you disciple people? How can you teach people if you don't even reflect those teachings? Well, our code, our DNA, we have it written in us. It's, it's part of us. They have made such a huge advancement. I've almost... Have you, anybody ever done that... Uh, 23andMe or sent away to get your results about your history. Anybody ever done that? I'm a little nervous. You guys did that? Was it cool? No, it wasn't cool. For Bill, it was cool. Judy, no. Uh, I, I've kind of, you know, I thought about doing that. But, man, think about all the advancements that they have made in that area. They can tell you, you know, if you were like 1% of something, you know. They, they, they can tell you uh, they've dissected it down just because... When they get your DNA, they can look into that strain. They can say, oh, you know, you've got a little bit of this, and you got a little bit of that, and you came from this, and you came from that, and it's pretty interesting. But written into our code is the call to be God's people in this world. Written into our born-again code is disciple-making, is teaching, is living biblical and kingdom principles. And if you think that that... You know, being a Christian negates or keeps you from sharing Christ with others through your lifestyle. Then I would just I'll tell you, you're, you're going against your DNA. I just got saved and I'm just, you know, it, it just means that I, I'm not going to hell. No, that's not your DNA. That's not what you were created or born again to be. He, you, you've been saved, you've been born again, you have been converted, you have taken on His name, you've been baptized in His name, you've received His Spirit on the inside, and when that happens, you become a people. You're not just a building, you are a people, you're part of the people of God, you bear His DNA. And going against that DNA, not discipling, not growing spiritually. You know what that does? That confuses people. People look at Christians who are not growing and they're like, what's wrong with you? Something's wrong. You look like a 12-year-old, you know, two-footer running around here. I, don't get mad at me. I'm, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm, I'm trying to, look, I'm, I'm holding up the Word. I'm, I'm, look, look into the Word. This is, not, this is not A.J. Dummett version. This is what the Word says. The apostle said, I wanted to be able to feed you meat, but I could only give you milk. And, and this is one of those situations where we have to look at our reflection and say, am I really growing like I'm supposed to grow? Is my DNA matching up with the original DNA of the early church? Because if it's not, something's wrong. I need to get a checkup. <laughs> I need to find out 
Maybe my nutrition's wrong. Do you know that kids will eat junk food if you let them? They love junk food. And they used to tell me when I was growing up, I don't believe it because you could tell. They said coffee will stunt your growth. It does not. It does not stunt your growth. That's a lie. However, eating a lot of junk food and only eating junk food will cause a lot of problems in your life. And sometimes people actually make a diet out of junk food, like it's the junk food diet, you know? And, and they eat as many uh, Twinkies as they can, and then when the Twinkies run out, they, you know, switch over to cupcakes, and, and they got a couple bags of chips and a couple two liters. <laughs> and there's problems that arise in their body. I was talking to somebody who used to be an EMT, and they were telling me about a time when they had to move a, an extra, extra, extra large person. Could not even get themselves out of bed. Didn't really fit through the door anymore. It's safe to say they were not eating a lot of broccoli and carrots leading up to that state of mind. Safe to say that they probably were eating a lot of things they should not have been eating or eating way too much of even things they should have been eating. But their nutrition was a problem. And eventually, it caught up with them. And, and I will say this. <clears throat> Spiritually, we need to consider, if we're not growing, and we're not discipling, and we're not be, we need to consider our nutrition. Let's consider that first. That's the first thing, and then I'm going to stop today. Let's consider our nutrition. What are you feeding your, your spiritual man? If he's getting a lot of Netflix and Voodoo and uh, Roku and some of you are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Cable television, <laughs> I don't know. I don't... Does anybody still watch that anymore? Uh, a couple people do, I guess, yeah. I mean, if, if that's all, if we've got a heavy media diet of things that don't have any intention of glorifying God or or helping us live more biblical lives, then probably we're eating a lot of spiritual junk food. And you can get away with a little bit every once in a while. I mean, I'm not saying that it's good, but you can get away. I mean, sometimes you get put in positions and it's just awkward. And, and yeah, you can get in, in those situations. And yeah, you know, every once in a while, you, you may have to see something or uh, I, you guys heard my story not too long ago about being waiting on my car to get the oil changed, and I was sitting there, and uh, just this horrible uh, show, movie, whatever, was playing in the waiting room. I mean, it was gory. It was bloody, and I'm like, seriously, is there nothing better you can show? Sometimes you're, you're going to have some of that that just enters in, but you don't invite it in. You don't make a, a way for it to come in all the time and have a steady diet of that because a little bit you may be able to overcome, but a lot of it will catch up to you. And if you're not growing, if you're not spiritually where you want to be and where you feel like God wants you to be, the first thing I want you to check is what are you consuming? John 8, 31 then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if Ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. You'll probably hear that a lot from me. But it's hard for us to be Jesus' disciples if we're not in the word. How do I, how do I get spiritually where I'm supposed to be if you continue in my word? How do I spiritually grow if you continue in my word? Not, not what so-and-so on television preached. And not what you heard on Christian radio. Come on now. In His Word. If you'll continue in His Word, and somebody say, well, I don't even know where to start. Well, get a buddy. Get a partner. Get somebody that will read through some stuff with you. Take, take time to grow spiritually and feed yourself the Word. I've had people that have left this church before, and I'm ashamed. I really it kind of... At the time, it kind of bothered me. Um, I was younger then. <laughs> I'm old now, but I was younger then. And at the time, they said, we're, we're leaving. We're going to go to a church where we can be fed. 
okay. And I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I've, I've really wrestled with it sometimes, uh, not because of them saying that, but that's just kind of like a go-to phrase when people sometimes leave a church in a bad way. They're like, I'm going to go where I can be fed. I don't, I don't read except one scripture that says that, you know, where it says feed the flock of God. That's the only scripture that I read that. Every other scripture that I read talks about us being in the Word personally, work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, that it's, it's, it's our responsibility. And then I got to thinking about who needs to be fed. Babies need to be fed, and sick people need to be fed. If you're strong enough, and you're smart enough, and you can carry your own weight, you're supposed to feed yourself. And that's what Paul was saying. He said, I want you, you know, you're, you're spiritual babes, but you're supposed to be getting to the place where you can handle stronger stuff. So some, at some point, and I'm not sure if that's, you know, for some people it may be a month, some people it may be a week, some people it may be a year or two before they can actually feed themselves. So we're going to keep feeding people as much as we can here. We're going to do everything we can. But more importantly than that, we want to teach you how to feed yourself. Amen. Come here, son. I love you. You're my buddy. You know that, right? When he was little, oh my goodness, he was so cute. He had these big rosy cheeks, big huge blue eyes, very, very light blonde hair. You know, you remember. And he sat in a high chair. And I would take out the baby food. I would put it on the spoon. You all know what I'm talking about. Some of you parents still do it, grandparents. And I'm, I'm eating it. <laughs> Y'all are laughing because you've done it. And then you, mmm, mmm, that's so good. You didn't get any, but you, mmm. Now, if we had you all over or if we went out to eat with you, Back then, that was perfectly acceptable. Now, he would be like, Dad, stop it. You're embarrassing me. Right? And it would be weird if my wife said, here, honey, here's some steak. Baby bird style, right? That would be weird. Maybe that piece of bacon's too big. Here, let me... Are you with me now? And so it looks strange for that. And he's 12. It looks strange when that happens, but it looks really strange for somebody who's been coming to church for years and years and years, and they're like, well, I'm just not being fed. When are you going to learn to feed yourself? This guy did. You can do it too. Right? If, if you can teach a two, three, four, five-year-old how to feed themselves naturally, guess what? You smart, brilliant, wonderful adults, you can learn how to feed yourself the Word of God. And that's when you have a healthy church. That's when you have a healthy body. That's when the people of God are healthy. Not when pastors like, Bumblebee, bumblebee, out of the barn. Right? <laughs> you guys are going to, some of you are going to leave here and be like, that guy is a nut. And you will be right. But feed ourselves. If you're feeding yourself, you're going to be strong enough to help somebody else who can't feed themselves yet. You're going to be able to show them. You know how I can show my son how to feed himself? Because I learned how to feed myself. It took a while, but I did. I learned. <laughs> Parents, if you're not feeding yourself spiritually, how can you teach your children to feed themselves? 
How will they ever have a chance in this world if we don't give them that? We, you, you taught them a lot of great things, and, you know, I, I want my son to learn how to do some really important things before he becomes a man. I'm working with my oldest daughter right now about some things that she needs to learn to be an adult before she moves out on her own. I, I want her to understand these things, but more important than that, I want them to be spiritually trained of how to feed themselves. Because there's going to come a day where dad may not be around and they have a question and there's spiritual things that they need answers to and they don't want to ask dad because it's so personal. They will have to be able to find it in the Word of God. Was Jesus' intention that we would get saved and then basically ignore His Word and live however it pleased us? Do you think that He died on Calvary just so you could do whatever you wanted to do and have a get-out-of-hell-free card? Is that why He died? Is that really what it's all about? No. No. He died so that He could put His spiritual DNA in each and every one of us. It would be crazy for us to think that that was all it was about. So why are so many people doing what they want to do and calling themselves Christians? What's, what's the one simple thing that you could do this week? What's the one simple thing that you could do this week? When was the last time that you had a spiritual conversation with somebody outside of these four walls and you started talking about something that God was speaking to you out of His Word? It ought to be a daily habit. It, it, it ought to be a daily habit. And every day you should say, God, let me talk about Your Word with somebody. You know, sometimes you don't have to say, you know, chapter so-and-so and verse so-and-so says, you can just give them the principle. This is, you know, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And you just share whatever that principle is that you read in the Word of God. Start with your nutrition. Find out what you are eating and what you need to. And it's really quiet. I know some of you, you're, you're trying to digest what I'm telling you right now. Because you would like for us sometimes just to come in here and talk about faith and about healing, and about deliverance, and, and all these good things, and blessings that God has, and every good gift comes from the Father. We, it's, it's all true. It's all true. But sometimes, I'm just going to be honest with you, if we're not careful, we spoil our children. Not teaching them the things that they need to know. We need to help them understand these things so that they can grow into healthy, mature people. And sometimes at church, we need to consider if our DNA is not what Jesus intended for our DNA spiritually to be, then what do we need to do? 1 Peter 2.12 says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, look at the, look at the next phrase, by your good works, which they shall behold, Glorify God in the day of visitation. That means when we are growing, when we are walking the walk, and we are talking the talk, the Scripture says even though they may not like you, they may be mocking you and picking on you now, that when they have a move of God in their life, when the Holy Ghost shows up on that day, they're going to glorify God. I know where to go. I know who to talk to. There's somebody that was trying. They, they, they're living these principles out in their life. God's dealing with me about this right now. On that day of visitation, when the Holy Ghost shows up, they will have a spiritual encounter. Would you stand with me? Nobody's going to swing from the chandeliers after we get done today because we don't have any. You may not be all excited and, you know, Chest bumping everybody as you go out of church. Man, that was an awesome message. May not be as exciting as, as the game or as something else that's going on in your life, but I will tell you that if you will grab hold of what has been preached today, it can revolutionize your life. God intended the local church to be a people and not a place. Quit just coming to church and learn how to be the church. We talk about it a lot, but we're still not quite there. We've got to realize we've got His DNA. We've got His purpose and His passion in our lives. And everywhere we go, that's where the church is. Everywhere you go, the church is there. So 
Check your nutrition. Start having spiritual conversations, even if it's just inside your family. And, and, and if your nutrition spiritually is out of whack, let's work on it. Let's work on it. You know, this is a great time of the year to, to really start focusing in and saying, you know what? There's some things that I want to change for next year that I didn't change this year. And you start purposing in your mind. A lot of people are going to wait till January 1st. And they're going to say, well, my resolution this year is no. Start now. Start preparing your life. Start moving the things out of your life that don't need to be there and start getting those daily disciplines of getting into His Word and talking to Him and having spiritual conversations with people. That's what's going to make the difference. I want to say it again. I know that you know this, but I love each and every one of you. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, I'm getting to the place, I told my wife this week, I'm getting to the place, I'm, I'm just too old to mess around anymore. Well, Pastor, you're young. You're younger than me. That's fine. I know. You, you may think I've got a lot of time left. I, I don't know how much time I have left. I'm not even promised tomorrow. But I, I've, I've learned enough. I'm wise enough now to know. I, I just need to tell you, this is what the Word of God says. And we need to line up to His Word. We don't need to line up to some preconceived notion of how it's supposed to be. We need to line up to the Word of God. My wife's prayer, my prayer lately has been, God, we want this church to look like what you intended the church to look like. We, we want this church. When people talk about this church, we want them to get excited and see a church that looks like the church in the book of Acts. And the only way that we can do that is by saying, look, this is our DNA. This is who we are. We're not moving away from this. This is, this is the New Testament church. There may be people that for uh, whatever reason, for popularity, for acceptance, for they, they may move into other dimensions, but this is who we are. This is who Jesus intended us to be. And we want to make disciples like never before. We want to pass this on, amen, to everybody that we can before Jesus comes back. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to pray over us. And I want to give you an opportunity, if there's some things that you want to check in your life, just to step out of your seat, walk down to this altar. I promise nobody's going to shake you around. We're not going to knock you to the floor. But I, I, I want you just to step out of your seat and, and walk up here and surrender and say, God, th there have been things that I want to do better. There are some things in my life that have been lacking spiritually. I don't want to start picking those things up. I, I want to make up my mind today. See, when you repent, you don't just turn from sin. You turn to God. And that's what we're going to do today. So all over this place, Lord Jesus, I believe, God, that this is your word for this church, for this day, for this hour, for this time, God, in history. And Lord, there are lives that are going to be revolutionized and changed. There may be some, God, that don't want to hear it and they will walk away, God, and they will say, I'm just comfortable going to a church. But God, for those who you are stirring and those who you are calling, those who you are drawing closer to you that say, I want to be the church that God intended. I want to have the DNA of the early church and I want to be who you intend for me to be. God, I pray that you would draw them. I pray, God, that you would give them the determination, Lord, to turn away from anything that's holding them back and to turn towards you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And God, that they would love you and that they would serve you and that they would make disciples and teach those disciples about you. And God, that we would all continue to be the church that you have called us to be. God, we can't do this without you. We need your spirit to lead and guide us. Would you help us today? God, would you draw somebody out of their seat today? Would you draw somebody to the altar today to come to a place, God, of commitment and surrender to you? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.